1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank. This is, of course, a sportsethos.com presentation. You can follow the show at Ethos Pelicans and you can follow me at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter. You can find the show everywhere that you can get podcasts, including the podcast app on your Apple device, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, as well as twice a week, Sundays at 12 p.m. and Tuesday 11 a.m. Central Time on Nothing But Net, a basketball-centric channel on dashradio.com. Now, as the show continues to grow, we would love your support by giving us a five-star review on your relevant platform, and leave a comment. It really helps us continue to build and expand the show. Now, what is today going to be about? Well, as I said on episode one of the Off-Season Project, I am basically picking a topic to do a deep dive on. This topic came from my fellow Australian, Aidan Ladocki, avid Pelicans fan, and also he's an admin in the Pels 12 down under Facebook groups, so check that out for all the Aussies who like chatting Pelicans with other fans. He made a great suggestion to discuss the other guys, in quotation marks, the Pelicans' role players. Now, as we know, this season, the role players played a critical role in our success, and for the first time in a number of years, those key role players are all under contract, and the front office won't be looking to completely retool the roster. This is obviously very different to the last few years under Alvin and Stan. Now, I've broken this topic into two parts. The first, I suppose, is the on-court contribution for these guys and what we hope to continue to see flourish into next season. And secondly, is the off-court cultural fit and development. So, where to begin? Well, the free online dictionary defines a role player as one, one who assumes or acts out a particular role. Two, one who engages in role-playing. Or three, which is sports-centric, a team athlete who mainly plays in specific situations. So I think that's probably our, our definition that we che- uh, that we're chasing. As we know, the role player in the NBA is a critical part of any successful situation and team. They are not paid as much as star players, often shorter of contracts and less minutes, less guaranteed money. However they are brought in to contribute in a specific role on their team. Many people have very long and successful careers as role players, and those that tend to accept their role and then star in that said role tend to be much more successful than those who wish for more than perhaps their abilities or team situation allows for. Now, this does not at all discount their value to a team or organization. In the NBA, role players are imperative. We see time and again that great role players often star in the playoffs or in certain times throughout the season. This allows for a team to still be successful even when the star player may be having an off night. I mean, just check out this Boston Bucks series at the moment. Grant Williams stepping up and winning game seven, shooting seven of 18 from three. Bonafide role player. Now, this year, the Pelicans had a fantastic stable of role players to support budding superstar and in Brandon Ingram and key starters, CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas. The majority of these Guys remain under contract and will so into next season and beyond. As our other young star, Zion Williamson returns from injury. So who are these guys and why are they so important to the Pelicans' current and future success? Well, to properly address that, we need to discuss the context. Our season was an unusual one, to say the least. The terrible start, as we know, is well documented. However, with a miraculous turn around, the Pelicans made the playoffs. This wasn't a fluke and here's why. This year, as we know, it didn't start the way we anticipated, the key moment being the announcement at Media Day that Zion had broken his foot and was unable to join the team straight away. This timeline was extended and extended and extended until we hit the end of the season, which brings us to now. Zion, as we know, is a dominant force when healthy. He averages a casual 27 points on 61% shooting in his lone healthy year. The front office, sensing that the roster under Stan was not one that meshed well with Zion's abilities, meant that a large retooling effort was needed in the offseason. Between Stan's year, the COVID-ravaged 2021 season, and this past season being the 21-22 year, David Griffin no doubt sensing some heat in his job security had to build a team that could highlight Zion's skills, as well as thrive when he was off the floor. The front office proceeded to flip Lonzo Ball in a side-and-trade with Chicago, bringing in Garrett Temple, Thomas Sadoransky. Weza Wundu, Gabriel, James Johnson, and James Nunnally were not retained, and the Pelicans acquired Devontae Graham from Charlotte and flipped Stephen Adams and Bledsoe for JV, along with a pick swap, which turned into Trey Murphy, as we know. What was left was a roster full of high upside young guards in Nikhil and Kyra, as well as Josh Hart in an expanded role. Najee Marshall, last year's two-way success story, was also retained with hopes of an increased contribution this year, along with Brandon Ingram and now Jonas Valanciunas, whose shooting ability would provide better spacing for Zion to operate in the paint while he was being still being an offensive threat and rebounding in his own right. Now... The guys that Griff had shipped out were there to try to bring some toughness to this young team however, it quickly became apparent that the spacing was going to be an issue. we saw it it was it was horrible Stephen Adams standing alongside Zion with his mate and his opponent standing alongside him as well so all of a sudden there's 15 guys in the paint anyway as I said before, the new acquisitions were there to highlight the skills that Zion had being his gravity to pull multiple defenders and collapse defenses and his great passing ability to find outside guys. I mean, that's his big skills. These guys were brought in to play a role. And whether that was to stretch the floor or be alternative ball handlers with Zion and then all of a sudden no Zion. From there, people's roles changed quickly. What we saw were guys having to do more than they were accustomed to. Brandon Ingram, fresh off a great campaign last year with Zion, was thrust into the lead role, which he actively embraced. and Became the leader on court, which that we saw developing in the offseason as he hosted some of the guys in Phoenix and then helped organise the workouts in Nashville. JV became the secondary star, a nightly double-double threat, but beyond that, there wasn't much else consistently. Nikhil didn't take a consistent step forward in his third year. Devontae started the season great with two game winners and consistent offence, but we saw that dwindle as the season progressed. Garrett Temple was playing big minutes as a veteran guard surrounded by a lot of young guys with the second unit. We saw the emergence of Herb Jones and Kyra Lewis slowly starting to figure it out. Jackson Hayes struggled mightily in his backup five role early, and as we know, it took a step in that, into that four position, which really unlocked his abilities, you know, his, his athletic abilities. The guys were forced into new, bigger roles, and then injury strikes again. Brandon Ingram goes down, the role players again had to take on a bigger responsibility. And although they fought valiantly each and every night, they were often outclassed by star players and teams that have been together for longer. Now, it's an often coined phrase, team chemistry. But what we saw from these guys embracing expanded roles was just that. Born from this adversity was a culture, a never-say-die attitude, where this team, while fighting fully healthy teams night in and night out on a schedule that was arguably one of the toughest of any team in the NBA in the first few months of this season, thrived. It became a movement. The players felt it. The coaches felt it. I mean, hell, we as fans definitely felt it. People played outside their roles, and then as the season progressed, the trust in each other and and the coaches made transitioning back to regular roles much more easier. Willie Green built that rapport with those guys in that locker room. And when the tough decisions to change the rotation, see Garrett Temple and Devontae's shift throughout the season in in minutes, those guys accepted the role and continued to contribute in ways that they could. Now, remember it is a role player's job to come in and contribute in certain situations. This includes being part of a salary matching exercise in trades. A few days before the trade deadline, the Pelicans were doing well and it became apparent that Portland was blowing things up to try to retool around Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum, a top guard in the league and Lillard's sidekick for almost a decade, was available. To get him, the Pelicans had to trade Nikhil, Josh Hart, Sato and Diddy to match some salaries. And for the Pelicans, they acquired obviously CJ, Larry Nance and Tony Snell, who was sent to down to New Orleans. While tough at the time, the trade-friendly deal of Josh's contract, the impending rookie extension discussions with Nikhil, and Sato's expiring contract meant that the Pelicans could get better by adding a top talent. This is an important part to being a role player. That it may be that they get traded at the drop of a hat. Should a player that the organization deems that may be able to help the team win become available, such as what happened. This means that two guys that the team and organization and fans loved were shipped out to help the team get better. What showed from the aftermath was, starting with Josh and Nikhil sitting courtside at the Pels game after being traded, was that what had been built was very, very, very real. It was something that the people wanted to be a part of, and that was exciting to see. So where did that leave the team? Well, it was an adjustment. We missed Josh's guard rebounding, and it took a few games to get CJ acclimatized to the players in the system. Nance was off to get knee surgery, and we'd be out four to six weeks. Tony Snelliken came in and hit some big threes for a period of time until he cooled off. But we saw Graham have to move to the bench as a too-small guard lineup was getting punished by opposing offenses. DG, being a role player, accepted this move and continued to ply his wares off the bench as an attempt to be that instant offense guy with the second unit. What we saw after a period of adjustment from our other guys, or the Pelicans committee, as I continuously called them, began to gel and adjusted their roles and key guys stepped up down the stretch. We know what happened from there. Larry got healthy and was key component in playing a defensive small ball five who could switch out one through five on defense. Tony Snell unfortunately took a back seat as his shooting dried up. Jose Alvarado broke onto the scene after the Kyra Lewis Jr. injury. He played a Key role, as we know, as that backup point guard became cult icon. Trey Murphy became a big part of the offense and defense in the later stages of the year with his ability to defend at a high level and also shoot the three ball with great accuracy. Herb Jones turned him one of the great defenders of the league, uh, in the league, pardon me, and his offensive game continued to grow. Billy Hernan Gomez, the king of culture building, was retained and was essential to the growth of the players both on and off the court. I mean, Billy was involved in everything as well as being a walking double-double every time he went on the court. In addition, we saw Najee continue to come out of his shell and and be a big-time culture guy, as well as a hard-nosed defender and downhill scorer. All of these guys were huge in contributing to what was built this year and the success down the stretch and into the playoffs. So, I'll leave it at that. After the break, we'll delve into what's next for the Pelicans heading into the coming season, and what if any moves Trajan and Griff we'll be looking to make heading into next season. So stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Folks, there is no such thing as a fantasy offseason, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. Our expert analysis are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies so you can get a jump on your prep. And we'll have incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of our premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, cook yourself one extra lunch per month because it's only $5.99. We'll see you there. So, welcome back to the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for your patience. Before the break, we recap the season that was for the Pelicans' other guys, the role players, and now we're going to consider what the front office will do this coming offseason. So, honestly, the team is pretty settled. They have 14 players under contract next year, with Gary Clark and Jared Harper on the two-way deals. So they don't count uh, to the 15 spots. We also have the Lakers lottery pick, which we'll find out where we land in the lottery in the next couple of days. Uh, Tony Snell is the loan-free agent. Najee Marshall is also on non-guaranteed money for the next two years of his contract, or the the final two years of his contract, I guess. There was talk on CJ McCollum's pull-up podcast interview with Larry Nance that Larry may also be in line for a contract extension. CJ has also said he wants to retire here and he's seeking an extension long-term, I guess. The, The players will not affect the situation this year, though. They're already under contract. It'll just be pushing out extra years at the end. Now, it's difficult to predict whether Griff will opt to make any big moves in this offseason. Perhaps the biggest question mark, as we've seen everyone comment on, is whether Jackson Hayes will secure an extension, and if so, for how much. Should he want more than the Pels want to give him, perhaps he'll be shipped out. Devontae Graham has also been circulated uh, as a potential moving piece, despite being signed to play along Zion, which he's yet to do so, and his four-year deal, which will be in its second year next year, although last year is non-guaranteed, uh, is still... Just beginning, Garrett Temple will also be in the second year of his three-year deal, with the last year being non-guaranteed, which the same goes for Billy Hernan Gomez. This really does mean that they could be viewed as potentially expiring deals, should that any team which acquire them not want to retain them, and then be bought out and, uh, or waived, I guess, and become... Free agents. The tough spot that the team is in is that there isn't any glaring weakness. Perhaps a bigger guard or a defensive center like a Robert Williams type may be possible, but nothing that screams to me to be something that we need to address urgently. or won't be able to using that lottery pick should it end up pick eight or higher. I think what these guys bring, Billy, DG, G-Temp, Larry, etc., is more important to the locker room than anything that they bring on the court. They're big-time culture guys. David Griffin himself said at the trade deadline, Billy was rendered untouchable, even though he was playing sporadic minutes at best. They realized how good of a person he is and how important he is to that locker room. He was at every possible Pelicans event. He was there when Jose signed his contract to become a non-two-way player, a full-time player. He went and became fast friends with JV. We saw pictures of them having a wine and out and about. He was B.I.'s brother from Spain, as we saw in that video. He was the everyman. He indulged the fans and ate some gumbo for the first time. His impact on the franchise was measurable, as well as being great on the court when his number was called. G. Temp was huge for the young guys, essentially becoming another assistant coach while still doing all of the fan interactions and being on the executive of the NBA Players Association with C.J. McCollum. His personality and background, being Louisiana royalty, helped him engage with stakeholders all around the league and the state. And this must not be discounted. While his on-court abilities dwindled as the season progressed, he was big time in that organization and invaluable going forward. Larry stepped into a leadership role from day one and his ability to communicate and engage with these young guys was massive in their continued development. He's young enough to understand the internet culture and relate to these guys, but also experienced enough to have been to the NBA Finals with LeBron and he's played with Kobe Bryant. He's been around successful players and on successful teams and knows how to win. And again, this is going to be massive for the team going forward. I opted not to highlight the rookies in this section, purely given that we'll be able to delve into these fellas in the due course during the offseason. Plus, we don't know if they're going to be role players forever or if they turn into genuine starting or, or star players. I mean, we saw that from Herbie locked in that starting role. To be fair, the team is a good in, in, in a good spot. Perhaps they go out and chase another ball handler or, or a vertical spacer. Perhaps a guy like Nick Claxton may be available. But I imagine that they'll only be doing that if A, Jax wants more than the Pells want to pay him, as I said, or the B, the Pelicans don't believe he'll turn into the player that they'll need him to be. I guess only time will tell. So, all in all, the role players in this team are great. I can't fault their contributions this year. I, I honestly don't know whether a move is in, imminent. And if it is, perhaps that stems from guys wanting a bigger role. Or a player who helps us become even better next year becomes available. Only time will tell. And with that, I think I'm going to leave episode 3 of the offseason Project for the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans podcast at that. As I said at the end of the last couple of episodes, if you have anything you'd like me to cover or discuss on this show, feel free to hit me up. I love having a yarn, and guests are always fun, so if you want to come on, come and have a chat. With that being said, I am in discussions with a few people to get them on here for a chat, so keep an eye out for those episodes coming up in the coming weeks, I guess, or days or weeks. We'll see how it goes. Now, we'll leave it at that. This has been the Sports Ethos New Orleans Pelicans Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Swithinbank, at Ethos Pelicans on Twitter, at Lyle Swithinbank on Twitter. Stay safe and bye for now.